0: My name is Lizzie Dawson and I'm the Community Heritage Curator here at Craven Museum and welcome to our podcast, Stories and Treasures. This podcast is all about getting behind the scenes of Craven Museum's big redevelopment project, funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund and made possible by National Lottery Players. In the first episode, I gave a bit of background of the museum, its history and some information about this project. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I highly recommend going back to that before coming back to this episode. So Craven Museum is now closed until 2020 for the redevelopment to take place, where the museum and space will be completely redesigned and created downstairs, as well as new rooms such as a purpose-built museum store, researcher room and education room created too. But before any of this can happen, all of the objects in the museum and its collections need to be moved out. No small task when the museum collection numbers over 60,000 objects, with many on display and the rest in the museum stores where boxes of museum objects are safely packed away. So to give a bit of insight into this process, I am going to be speaking to Rachel Terry, who's the Museum and Collections Officer here at the Town Hall. So hello, Rachel. Hello, Lizzie. (laughs) Um, So I thought what we could do today is to chat a little bit about what you're doing, um, because you're leading on the packing up or the decant of the museum. Um, so for all those listening who may not have been to the museum for a while or perhaps haven't been yet the museum itself is up a flight of stairs which I can imagine can pose quite an issue and we have all of the four storerooms which are packed floor to ceiling so exactly how will that all work so how are we planning on moving it all somewhere whilst the building work happens
1: Well, that's a really good question to start with. Um, As you say, we are upstairs and and the storerooms are upstairs. So we have to, first of all, um, pack everything in a way that we know it can actually get out of the building. Um, Mm. So to do that, we involve a team of professional um, museum movers, which are Harrow Green, uh, who are based in Leeds. And they will be advising us on the actual sort of physical um, removal of the objects sort of finally taking things apart and taking them out the building but before we get to that stage we have to actually pack everything that we own in a way that it can be moved which is down to all the museum staff here and um We've got staff and volunteers helping with this, um, because basically we have to look in every box, check that there isn't like space in the box where things can move around and get get broken. Of course, yeah. Um We have to add in extra packaging if we need, if we need to, to to stop that happening. We also have to if we've got boxes that are too full which is quite a lot of boxes actually, we've got to decant them into two boxes so that things don't get squashed Mm. when they're put into crates and things. Um, And we've also got to put things into boxes as well, so things that don't have boxes, we've got to prepare all that Um the thing that's really hard I think sometimes to imagine is that you actually have to keep track of all that so it's actually all the logistics of recording all those boxes that you've created or packed or moved or yeah. everything like that so it's 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 all those kinds of things that we're having to do uh, behind the scenes before we even have our our lovely professional moving team in to actually cart it all out the building.
0: Um, so are there any parts of the collection that are particularly difficult to pack up or you kind of you're sort of dreading (laughs) a little bit yes we have got a few tricky pieces Mm -hmm.
1: um particularly for those of you who know the museum you might know that we have um an ore crusher which is um from the early 19th century um so it was used for lead ore crushing and it was Um, brought to the museum by the friends of the museum in the 1970s Um, very carefully they dismantled it and brought it and built it here and as far as I know I don't think it's actually been moved since so that's going to be quite an interesting one uh, to take apart what we'll have to do is um, dismantle it and document every single part of that process photographically and then we can reassemble it in the museum when it comes back in (laughs) Um, similarly we have a, a beautiful lathe which is from a woodworking um, join a shop in um, Hebden mm. uh, from that's that's an 18th century laze, um a very big piece of equipment if, if any of you know the museum you, it's it's probably oh, it's probably about two and a half meters long on one side and, and, a, and a good uh, meter and a half the other way So it's, it's a big big piece with a huge wheel and again we'll have to take that apart very carefully and document that process um, and also make sure that we store it in the proper conditions so that it doesn't warp or change. It's all made of wood mm. and we wouldn't want anything to happen to it so that it can't actually be put back together when it comes back here in
0: 2020. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. Um, so obviously that's that's a quite big challenge. Um, but what are the other challenges? that um, We do have, we have all very eclectic collections here.
1: So we've got all mm. sorts of different kinds of objects. So we might have things that have... For instance, medicine bottles that still have liquids in, so we've got oh, to gosh, kind yeah. of make sure whether that's toxic or not, and whether it's going to spill or not. So we've got to sort of find those and and isolate them. We've got geology collections, some of which are quite toxic. So we have witherite and arsenic in the collection, which are bagged up, so they're not going to be immediately toxic to people. They are they are protected, but it's just being aware of those kinds of things when we move everything, so that somebody doesn't come across it accidentally, or it doesn't go into storage with something that's going to harm so that, that applies for things where you might put two kinds of objects together that don't actually get on very well in terms of the materials they're made of so you wouldn't want to put rusty metal in perhaps with bones for instance mm, so yeah. you have to really check what's in the boxes um, and and make sure that they're, they're packed very carefully with the same types of material and then they can go off into storage so the bones would have very different storage from the metal for instance um, in terms of environment so big job then. <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's, it's uh, as I was saying with the lists earlier it's it's, it's a really logistical task. It's yeah. it's keeping track of of what we have where and mm. making sure that it goes into the right environment for it so that it can because 18 months is quite a long time for it to be in a different environment obviously they're very happy here all the boxes have been you know here for quite a lot of them for quite a long time and we check them regularly but um, they haven't actually been out of the building so they're very Mm. used to the environment here so we have to be really careful to when things are packed the boxes get buffered by lots of other types of materials that go around them which means they sort of keep a, a really roughly the sort of environment that they're in now and then they they will keep that environment and it's not too much of a shock to the system for the the items in the boxes
0: so during this time we've also begun to meet up with the um, uh, museum designers and the interpretation writers and start to discuss the new Displays Absolutely, in the museum, yes. uh, which is obviously incredibly, <laughs> incredibly exciting. Um, but could you tell me a little bit more about how you select items for display? Yes, yes, of course. That's been a really exciting period. Mm. So over the last
1: five months, um, we've worked as a team on uh, drawing together all the possible themes that will be covered in the new displays, new galleries, and they've all been developed really from the. Um, the consultation that was done in the development phase of the the project so we've got all that feedback from focus groups from visitors from open days that we had the designers um, they they drew out of that the themes that we're going to have the displays on so we've got a number of different areas and then within those um, we've then selected objects that that seem to best match those themes but also to represent um, Craven generally and to actually show the whole of our collection and the whole of the area as best we can. So, for instance, we've got um, we've got a, a theme on diverse landscapes. Mm. So we're looking at the sort of natural history of the area, the flora, the fauna. Um, we've got another theme about working in Craven. So we're looking at all the different jobs and some which were specific to the area all the different uh, textile trades for instance farming those sorts of trades but then some that grew up naturally in lots of places but were particularly in Craven as well like Mm. blacksmithing or um, making uh, brooms those, those sorts of of things as well where we've got really specific interesting collections um, that we want to show and share with people Um, and the other thing that's really exciting about this is pulling out the individual stories behind things so we've got some we've got quite a few objects where we've got really lovely sort of personal stories where somebody's used an object or owned it or it belonged to a particular member of their family and it's it's those kind of really personal connections that I think make really exciting sort of objects really exciting so definitely so hopefully we've um, we've actually selected out probably somewhere between 1000 to 1300 objects which will be going into our first displays and at the moment so we've selected them out on paper and at the moment we're in that very very big task of actually getting them all out of store and packing them up into their individual sections and working out what's got to go to the conservators and what's got to be photographed and all those kinds of things too
0: so big big job <laughs> So I think perhaps one of the big questions that people might might be thinking is that obviously the museum is closed until 2020. So why do we start to choose those objects now? Why do we need to do that right now? Yeah, no, that's a really fair fair question, actually, because it does seem quite a long
1: way away <laughs> to us reopening again and it does seem a distant point. But I think it's because we've got to... Obviously, we have to take the objects out before everything goes off into storage because we have to make sure... Um, that we 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 can display those objects we actually physically have to get them out we have to measure them so the designers know how big they're going to be in the cases and they can plan the displays and everything also the designers will will be working they'll be working on the cases and the way we display the actual objects but they've got to do all the supporting information as well so they'll be doing av um, material that will go alongside the the design the objects Um, they'll be doing interactive elements so they'll be as those of you who know the museum now we've got lots of uh, great interactives at the moment but we'll have um, lots of new ones and some old favourites as well in the new museum so that's all got to be designed and built too of course Um, yeah We've also got to do research into the objects so some objects we know a little bit about them, we might know it's an interesting site um, for instance the um, the items that are all from Hare Hill Cairn, mm. um, that's an absolutely fascinating site that possibly dates over 5,000 year period um, Fantastic but we, we need to know more about it to yes. be able to share that yeah, with people, course, yeah. so we, we we've chosen the objects that we're going to represent it with and then we'll go away over this period and we'll actually do more research into those and talk to experts that have been working on the sites and things and actually pull out some of those nuggets of information Mm. and hopefully be able to share that with you in the new museum. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So will researchers still be able to access the collection whilst it's in storage? Well we're unfortunately because the the collection's actually going off-site
1: and we'll Mm. go into museum uh, type storage we won't be able to actually let people come and see the the things from the collection in the, in the way that they use, they've been used to doing. You know, I know a lot of people listening to this might have been in to look at photographs yes. or maps and things so while we're closed unfortunately we won't be able to offer that service um, but when we are open again we are very excitingly having a research room dedicated to people coming to research collections which means you'll be able to come on any day of the week and actually Brilliant. come and, and look at things from the collection so it's kind of not at the moment in terms of coming to see things mm. it will be worth waiting for because yeah. it will make access to the collections much better we do have a few um, ongoing research projects which we are honouring. So, there are several um, projects which are looking at archaeology in the collection, um, archaeological items which are part of people's PhD research. So, in those cases, um, we've actually kept the objects out and we will be allowing access at um, our temporary offices for that particular research to take place. But that's taken a quite a bit of organising and making mm. sure, but we didn't want to, you know, stop somebody partway through their research so we, we're still making those available but uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a lot more uh, with researchers once we reopen because it is a fabulous collection for research we do get a lot of inquiries yeah so that'd be good good to have a research space
0: brilliant um, so you mentioned uh, just before that as part of this process um, you'll be identifying objects at the conservation work so what what sort of items might might this be what what sort of things need that conservation vision work carried out um it
1: tends to be things uh from such as the archaeology collection where we have got things that have been perhaps they've been stabilised after they've been um, found so they're, they're not getting any worse mm. um, but they might have been found in quite difficult they've had quite difficult conditions so that might be for instance metalwork that's quite rusty so it's not really corroding anymore in the conditions we keep it in but it's not really in a displayable condition and, and there mm. are things that conservators can do to allow it to be seen better to make sure that it doesn't deteriorate right when when we put it on display because obviously Mm -hmm. display conditions and store conditions can be quite different so we need to think about um how things will be displayed and then and then make sure that we sometimes it's just a matter of mounting something or in a particular way so that it's got support so it doesn't deteriorate and that's again where we would help have conservation support um it might be using certain materials for the for the actual display case or something like that so we've actually got to think about all these things with the conservators and so um we we take the kinds of objects where we feel that that that's a really key aspect of it so it can be things like our our special flasby sword which is um an iron age sword which was it spent a large part of its life in a lake it was it was actually found possibly as a a ritual deposit um so it's found in the 19th century and donated to the collection in the 20th century um and it's in it's it's metal and wood together um so it's it's Two materials which have obviously reacted differently over time to the conditions it's been in. So it's been waterlogged for a very long time. We have it in a display case now, which has surprisingly sort of high humidity levels. Actually, more than you would normally have for an object um, that was made of metal. But because it's a composite, wood and metal, it needs that slightly higher level of humidity than you might put metal into. And so that the wood doesn't start to dry out and split. So you've got to have that slight balance between right. having, you don't want it so um, damp that the metal starts to corrode, but you don't want it so dry that the wood dries out. Yes, so yeah. objects like that are really are really hard and they are always a balance. So you have to find that fine balance. It's been on display for quite a long time here and we will be putting it into the new displays because it's obviously one of our key key objects. But we have to really take advice from the conservators as to what that environment has to be, whether it has to be a sealed case or a sealed area within a case so that we can control and fine tune that environment for it. Um, so it's it's objects like that where we, we, we go to the conservators for their
0: their expertise, really. They're the ones that know. <laughs> so obviously, this is a really, really big um, point in the project but once um, all these items are safely packed into storage what else will you be working on whilst
1: ah, yes. storage so,
0: yes we're just going to put our feet upon the table <laughs> <laughs>
1: coffee no no we will have other things going on <laughs> although I have to say the idea of putting our feet up and having a cup of coffee is attractive at this stage where we're immersed in lists and boxes
0: yes, um, yeah. but no
1: we will be having some exciting projects uh, we're going to keep um, out of the um, the stuff that's going off into museum storage mm. quite a number of different uh, parts of the collection which will be coming to us with our into our temporary offices at Bellevue and we'll be able to have um, cataloguing projects on those so we're, we've selected Items out, um, such as our slide, our glass slide collection, and some of our ephemera collections, where. We've perhaps got them catalogued as a group of items. So Mm. it just has one number for a whole, you know, 30 or 40 items. Um, And what we will be encouraging uh, people to come forward and take part in is is actually coming and cataloging those items. So which would be really exciting to project to do as we'll we'll get to find out more about the objects and the people working on. We've done some similar projects in the past and um, I think it's been really exciting for the volunteers involved because they've discovered all sorts of things in these groups of objects and actually some of the ones which we've identified in the past are actually going on display in our new museum so you just never know where your research might take you so it's it's a worthwhile project definitely um we'll also have um lots of research to do ourselves on the labels and the stories behind the objects Mm. so we'll be doing that with the designers and working on the um the sort of background to things and how we present the objects so there'll be a lot of work to do with that Plus, we're really looking forward to getting to grips with our cataloguing and bringing that up to date. And then in, eventually we would like to share that catalogue so that people will be able to look things up for themselves in the museum. But that's mm-hmm. a little way off yet. It needs quite a lot of work. So we've earmarked some projects on that for the, for the period that we're closed. And some of our, our super museum staff will be be working hard at that
0: and trying to get
1: that into a format where we can actually share it with the public. So that will be great.
0: So um, I've been trying to obviously think of questions which I thought people listening might uh, be interested in knowing the answers to. However, I'm sure I've missed quite a few. um, So If you would like to um, ask a question about the project or about the museum or about any of the things myself and Rachel have talked about today, please do get in touch and we'll do our best to answer them. Yes, yes, certainly. Um, So if you'd like to just send your questions via email to museum at cravendc.gov.uk. And if you put podcast in the title, then um, we'll be able to find them really easily. And yeah, we'll we'll do our best to to go through them and, and answer them. Yes, yes, indeed. Brilliant. Well, um, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming to chat to to us. You're and very welcome. Thank you very much for listening, um, and yeah, talk to you in the next episode of Stories and Treasures. Bye. Goodbye. Stories and Treasures is a podcast by Craven Museum. The project Stories and Treasures of Street and Dale is funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund, which has been made possible by National Lottery players. Thank you to Craven District Council, Craven College and the media students and their tutor pool for making this podcast a possibility.